You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. Uh, this is our last week in the book of Ephesians for a minute till the, the uh, beginning of the new year. Uh, we're kicking off a brand new Christmas mini-series next week. You will not want to miss uh, out on that. Uh, the title of uh, our mini-series for Christmas this year is called Regift, and passing along the gifts that you've been given. And so we'll take a look at that uh, next week. And so this will be our last week in the book of Ephesians. We'll pick it back up at the beginning of the year uh, and finish it out. If you're missing the message so far, this is message number 37 in our series entitled Alive Together. We've just been going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And so uh, if you're not familiar with the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters are very heavy doctrinally. Uh, Paul talks about who we are in Jesus Christ. The last three chapters, is, which is where we find ourselves today, are very heavy practically in the fact that now that you know who you are in Christ, here's what I want you to do. And so uh, that's where we find ourselves today. We title today's message, Walk in Wisdom. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse number, uh, let's see here. Uh, We'll start in verse number 17. (coughs) I'm sorry, verse number 15. There we go. Verse number 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Uh, I grew up in church my whole life. My parents uh, took me to church uh, nine months before I was ever even born. Uh, Three times a week we were in church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every single week of the world uh, until I turned 18. Uh, And so I I grew up in church my whole life. And the church that I grew up in was a Baptist church. It was exactly like our church in a doctrinal sense. And the fact of what we believe from the Bible is exactly what we believe. It's the complete, total opposite philosophically of what our church is. Uh, Our church gives you Bible knowledge to help you live for Jesus every single day of your life. Uh, The church that I grew up in gave you Bible knowledge just to say that you knew the Bible. And so I learned a lot of Bible stories as a kid. Uh, I knew all about uh, the uh, Noah and the ark. I knew all about Joseph and his coat of many colors and all of his brothers. And I knew all uh, the stories of Daniel and the lion's den and all those things. I knew the stories of how Christ uh, would feed uh, thousands of people at a time, the miracles that he would perform and things along those lines. But I knew a lot about the Bible, but I didn't know how to live according to the Bible. There's a big disconnect there if you don't learn both sides of it. And so uh, my wife and I began dating, and uh, we, uh, uh, both of us were, I would say, baby Christians at the time. Uh, I, I got saved at nine years old. My wife got saved at 13 years old. But neither of us really grew in our faith. And I knew a lot about the Bible, but I didn't know what to do with it. She didn't really know anything at all about the Bible. And so uh, she just knew that she'd accepted Christ as Savior as a teenager, and that's really all that she knew. Her grandmother had given her a Bible for her uh, high school graduation. And so when we met, um, my wife said, I I don't really know a lot about the Bible. And she said, I've heard before that you can't trust the Bible, which first of all is not a true statement. Uh, You can trust the Bible cover to cover, but she didn't know because nobody taught her. Uh, She said, all I knew is that the parts that were in red in the Bible was what Jesus said, and I figured I could trust Jesus. That's a very true statement. You can always trust Jesus for sure. And so she said, I just found the parts that were in red, and I read that a lot. And so when I met my wife, she knew the Sermon on the Mount like nobody else. I mean, the lady knew everything that there was to know about the Sermon on the Mount for sure, and who was blessed and who wasn't blessed, and how they should uh, live to be blessed, and things along those lines. But she didn't know really a lot about how to live as a Christian. For me, I knew a lot of Bible stories. I could tell her uh, things that happened in the Old Testament and the kings that were good kings and the kings that were bad kings. And uh, I told her the story of the the 12 spies that went out and uh, 10 were bad and two were good. And I told her the song that went along with that and everything. But we were young adults that didn't have the first clue as to what that meant on how to live our lives. And so when we got married, we were really baby, baby Christians in the fact that we had a little bit of knowledge, but we didn't really know what to do with it. That's the opposite of what wisdom is. Wisdom has knowledge, and it knows what to do with it. And in this passage here, God tells us he wants us to walk in wisdom. So first of all, to walk in wisdom, we have to have knowledge so that we can apply the wisdom that we do have. And so we're taking a look at what that means for us practically today as we learn to walk in wisdom. Uh, Keep your finger here in the book of Ephesians. We're going to come back in just a sec, if you would. Uh, But turn back to Matthew chapter 7, if you would. Matthew chapter 7 comes at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, this, will, this part will be in red. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, 
<laughs> Jesus talks about what it means to be wise. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. So you hear what Jesus says and you do it. I'll liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not, so you know what you're supposed to do, but you don't do it, he shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I want everybody this morning to take your right hand and make a fist and hold it up in the air. I want you to take your left hand and make a fist and hold it up in the air. And I want you to go like this. How many of you know what we're getting ready to do? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Stop for a second. Look at your neighbor. Make sure that they're still building. If your neighbor's not building, say, come on, man, build. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood firm. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Stop, look at your neighbor. Are they still building? If they're not, go, come on, man, build. The foolish man built his house upon the sand and the rains came tumbling down. Rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went splat. That was my favorite part as a kid. Just like splat. I love that as a kid. I, I still love it at vacation Bible school. I, I, this is like my, my claim to fame. I sing this song and we splat. And it splats again and again and again and again. Why? Because the Bible says great was the fall of it. Right? You're going to make it great, right? So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and go, build, man. <laughs> build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessings will come down. Blessings come down as the prayers go up. Blessings come down as the prayers go up. Blessings come down as the prayers go up. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Give your neighbor a hand. They did it. <laughs> Say, way to go. You did it. You did it. I love it. We teach our kids this very, very simple principle. Do what Jesus says and your life will be built and it will last and you will be blessed. Don't do what Jesus says and your life will fall apart and great will be the fall of it. We teach our kids that, right? But many times we don't apply it to our own lives. I just wanna do what I wanna do. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to Christians before and they say, well, the Bible was written a couple thousand years ago. Does that even really apply to today? The answer to that is yes. God's word is timeless. It could be written thousands of years ago, but the principles apply because God never changes. So the truth that we find here, God delineates between what is a foolish man and a wise man. If you don't have a good Bible reading plan right now, I'd encourage you for the month of December to read through the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs has 31 uh, chapters in it. So you can read one proverb a day for the month of December and read the entire uh, book of Proverbs in a month. And as you read through the book of Proverbs, you might have read through it before, but I'd encourage you this time through to look for four types of people that we find in the book of Proverbs. First of all, there's the wise man. The Bible talks about what it means to be wise. Second, there's a foolish man or a fool. Look for the fool and what he does. Next is the simple man. Uh, This is a guy who doesn't really know anything. He's kind of, uh, I guess what we would call an ignorant person when it comes to the Bible. He's just going with the flow, doesn't really know what to do. And then there's the scorner. He's the one that actively rebels against and hates wisdom. And the Bible gives us very, very clear outcomes on what happens to all four types of those people. And let me just save you the trouble here and give you the Cliff's Notes version of it. You want to be wise, guarantee you. But wisdom requires action on your part. As we look at this uh, by way of introduction this morning, a foolish man 
would be one who lives apart from God, either as a theological or a practical atheist. Theological atheists in the fact that they don't believe that there is a God. They don't believe in a higher power. They don't believe that there is anyone that is in authority uh, in any way whatsoever. A practical atheist is one who believes in God but lives as if there is no God. Here's a crazy thought. I've met before Christian atheists. You say, that's an oxymoron. How can that possibly be? They know that there's a God. They've trusted in God as their, in Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they live as if there is no God. They live as if God hasn't given them any instructions to follow. They live as if God doesn't really exist. They, they live their life every single day for themselves. And we would call that person, uh, whether they believe in God or not, when you live according to your own wisdom, you are a foolish, foolish man. The Bible even goes so far as to, to, to call people who are in this category, who make this their lifestyle, he calls them fools. Not just you're acting foolishly, you are a fool if you decide to do things your own way. The flip side of that, which is what you and I want, is to be a wise man. This is one who submits to God and walks in accordance with his direction as found in his word. I know what the Bible says, and I'm going to do that because I know that's what God expects of me, and I know this is where the greatest source of joy can be found in walking according to what the Bible says. As we look at this passage of Scripture by way of introduction this morning, we need to see that, first of all, we're all born spiritually foolish. The Bible says in the book of Romans that there's none that seeketh after God. Every person seeks after their own thing. Uh, the Bible says in the, the book of Romans chapter number one, and uh, if you don't have a good place to read in your Bible and you don't want to read through the book of Proverbs, I'd re recommend reading through the book of Romans. It is heavy, heavy, heavy doctrine. So much good stuff there. But Romans chapter one talks about uh, a people, and this might sound really familiar to you, who say... I don't really believe that God knows what's going on and they make up their own gods who are themselves. And they say, God thinks he knows what he's talking about, but I've really got a better uh, line on what life looks like. And the Bible says that they forgot God and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I know what God says, but I know what's good for me. I know what God says, but that doesn't really apply to my situation. I know what God says, and that might be good for you, but for me, totally different story. Have you ever had somebody before tell you when you share your faith with them, well, I'm glad you found something that works for you, but that's not really for me. That person would be what the Bible would classify as a foolish person. Uh, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. The book of Romans tells us that everyone believes in God. Oftentimes when I encounter people who claim to be atheists, they say, well, I don't believe that there's a God. I always ask them, when did you stop believing in God? Because the Bible tells us that God has revealed himself into all men, Romans chapter one, so that they're without excuse. Every person in their heart knows that there is a God, but at some point, one who would be an atheist or an agnostic chose to stop believing. Nine times out of 10, when I talk with folks who uh, would call themselves an atheist or classify themselves as unbelievers, they stop believing when they feel like God let them down somewhere along the way. I remember as a nine-year-old boy uh, trying to process my faith. I'd just gotten saved and accepted Christ as Savior. I'd gotten baptized in the church that I was in, and my grandmother got lung cancer. And we prayed and prayed, and we had people at our church that were praying and praying uh, that my, my grandmother would be, would be healed uh, they, they thought that the, the cancer was localized just to her lungs. They were doing chemotherapy and radiation. Uh, and mind you, this was back in the 80s when things were very, very primitive. Uh, and they went to do a, another scan after one of the rounds of chemotherapy, and they found uh, two tumors in our brain, and they said that there was nothing they could do at that point. And I remember as a nine-year-old boy saying, if God's word is real and he says, ask anything and he'll give it to us, why did this happen? And as a nine-year-old boy, I had a crisis of faith at nine because I couldn't process how a good God would allow things like this to happen. And nine times out of 10, when I talk with folks who would claim to be an atheist or stopped believing in God, something happened in their life that they came to a crossroad and they said, I don't really know if I believe anymore or not. But at the end of the day, God says he's revealed himself unto all men, although we are born spiritually foolish. You see, because we're made to worship, we either worship God or we make our own God. Simple as that. You either will worship the God of the universe, Jehovah God, the God of the Bible, or you'll make your own God. 
Now, I don't know of anybody here who has a little idols set up on their, their uh, shelf at home that they bow down to and pray to, but oftentimes we'll make up our own belief system to follow. Oftentimes when I'll share my faith with people and they say, well, that's good for you. It's not really my belief system. I believe that all people eventually go to a good place except people that are really, really bad. And I say, well, what do you base that on? A lot of times folks will say, well, it's just something that I've come up with on my own. It's just kind of what I've learned about life. I took a little bit of, it comes from Buddhism about putting good energy into the universe. And, and I've taken a little bit of Christianity, which is a, a love your neighbor and, and be good to other people and do good unto others. And I've taken a little bit of, uh, you know, Eastern uh, mysticism and, and to believe that there's an overarching electrical structure throughout the world. And I've kind of put all that together and I've made my own belief. You know what you've done? You've created your own God. You created your own religious system. Christianity is not about a religious system. Christianity is about a relationship with God. And you will either worship him or you will worship your own God. And you say, well, well, I don't worship God and I don't worship my own God. Then you have become your own God. When we determine what's right versus what's wrong, when we determine who gets to go to heaven and who gets to go to hell, when we determine who should live and who should die, then we have taken the place of God and we have become our own God. Now, mind you, that's a little G God because you'll never be the God of the universe. But we have to worship something we were made to worship. Sometimes I'll talk with people and they say, well, I don't really have any beliefs. Everybody has a belief. The question is, what are you believing in? And we're born spiritually foolish away from God. You see, we've all sinned against God. We, the Bible says we come forth from our mother's womb speaking lies. That from the very moment we could draw breath on this planet, we were sinners separated from God. And the Bible says that when we die, our sin will separate us from God for all of eternity, for the wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us. Because of my sin and because of yours, because of the wrong that we've done in this life, we will be separated from God in a place called hell when we die, barring any outside intervention. But here's the good news. God loves you too much to be separated from you for all of eternity. God loves you too much to allow you to walk in spiritual darkness. We took a look at that last week. God loves you too much to allow you to walk in spiritual foolishness. So God has given you his wisdom located in his word so that you can find his son, the person of Jesus Christ, to find the forgiveness of sins. Now, forgiveness of sins is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. It's not found in a religious system. It's not found in any type of baptism. It's not found in any type of religious work. It's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the only way to heaven. John chapter 14, verse number five, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here's a heavy statement that he made. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus claims to be the exclusive way to heaven. He's the only way to get there. And God loves you too much to allow you to be separated from him in hell. And so for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John chapter three, verse number 16. And God wants you to not only know his son, but also he wants you to walk in wisdom. That's why God's given us his word. God's given us 66 books that were written by himself. The Bible says that uh, the, the word of God is inspired. Every word of it is God-breathed, the Bible tells us. It's given by inspiration to help us to learn how to live life. This is our source of wisdom. And God wants you and I to walk in wisdom. The Bible tells us wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Now, some people who might be new to the Bible look at a, an idea of like the fear of the Lord and its idea that maybe I should be scared of God. Uh, maybe I should uh, worry. Uh, and again, uh, depending on your, your background of what your f relationship is like with your father will shape your view of who God is. That's why, Dad, this is really heavy for us because our kids one day, when someone says to them, your heavenly father, the idea is it's just like your dad except he's in heaven. And if, you have, if you're a dad who's kind of checked out, who's not involved in his kid's life, who basically just kind of make sure that there's food on the table and the bills are paid, but I do my own thing. Just know this, you're, you're painting an improper picture of who God is. God is directly involved in our lives. He loves us, he cares for us. And again, understand this, regardless of what your background is with your dad, know this, you have a heavenly father who's greater than you can fathom with your mind, who loves you and cares for you and wants to be intimately involved in every single detail of your life. That's your heavenly father. 
But the beginning of wisdom comes with not a fear, like I'm gonna cower and be scared of. It's a healthy respect of who God is. It's a reverence. It's a recognition of who he is. I remember as a, as a kid, uh, my, uh, my parents, my mom, both of my parents grew up in abusive homes and they didn't really know what it meant to be parents and uh, they did the best that they could and they took us to church and they tried to live according to the Bible and stuff like that. But my mom uh, was always a yeller. And if somebody got in trouble, mom was yelling somebody. Can't tell you how many times. I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard, Anthony Mark, get in here. Man, I would be a millionaire. I could just retire right now, right? Uh, if I had a million bucks, I could put a down payment on a nice house here in Hawaii, right? Some of you will get that later. Uh, anyways, my mom screamed at everything. Screamed. My dad, I can probably count on one hand the number of times my dad raised his voice. And when he did, just let me tell you, it was sheer terror because he never raised his voice. Usually dad would just have to give you the look and you know you better chill out, son. I remember in, uh, in, uh, in church, uh, my dad would always sit in the choir. My dad sang in the choir. Uh, and then I think it's a good thing that we sing in church and our family see us sing and love Jesus. That's a healthy thing. I remember seeing my dad sing in the choir. The problem was is that my dad got to look at me throughout the entire service. And so if me and my friends were joking or laughing or drawing or stuff like that, or if I was uh, making eyebrows at a girl down the row, hey, what's up? Hey, my dad always saw. And all I had to do was catch his eye and I knew I was done for, just done, you know? All I had to do was give me the look and I knew as soon as church is over, I'm toast. I should probably just like pack up a bag and just leave the house because it's over and done with. He just had to give me the look. But there came a point where my dad didn't have to give me the look anymore because I knew what I was supposed to do and what I wasn't supposed to do. And I knew that if my dad had to handle it, that he would. Then there came a point in my maturity as a young man that I began to live my life not because I was afraid of what my dad would do, not because I was afraid that I would get a spanking, not that I was afraid that he'd raise his voice, but I lived my life in such a way that I didn't want to disappoint my father. I wanted to live my life in a way that made him proud, that wanted him to, to say, hey, son, you're doing a good job, keep it up. And I began to have a healthy fear of my dad. I'm not scared that he's gonna uh, get me with his leather belt, although that happened plenty of times, and I'm a good man for it. Not that I was scared that he was gonna raise his voice or that my mom was gonna raise his voice. It came from a love and respect for them that I wanted to please them and honor them. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Now, know this. God could snap his fingers, and every single one of us would be dead within uh, half a second because that's who God is. If God wanted to punish us for his, our sin, he certainly would have every right to but he chooses not to because he loves you and he's gracious and he's merciful. But we need to understand that God deserves our respect. God deserves our reverence. God is not like any other person that we know. It's not like any other relationship we have. He's special. He's unique. And we want to live our lives in a healthy respect and reverence in a way that pleases and honors him. That's the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says that's where wisdom begins. Now, knowledge says I'm not gonna do what the Bible tells me not to do because it says not to. That's knowledge. The wisdom says I want to do what the Bible says because I know this is where the good stuff is found. That's wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 12, uh, verse uh, number, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter number one, verse number seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction see the contrast there between the foolish man and the wise man? The fool doesn't want wisdom. He doesn't want instruction. He doesn't want to be told what to do. The wise man says, I don't know what to do. I need somebody to help me. That's where wisdom is found. It's funny, sometimes guys, we feel like we can just kind of go through life and figure things out on our own. We don't need anybody to help us. We don't need anybody to tell us anything. This is evidenced by the fact that every time we try to put something together, we take everything out of the box, put the instructions to the side, and then begin to work on our stuff until everything falls apart and nothing works and nothing fits together and we're missing parts. Then we go and pull out the instructions, right? And then even when we do that, we give it a cursory skin. And there's always the, the big tag on the box that says, stop, do not return this to store, call this phone number, we'll tell you how to put it together. I'm not calling nobody, I'll figure this out, I'm a man, right? That's the opposite of wisdom, that's foolishness. Wisdom says, I don't have all the answers, I need help. Wisdom says, I've never raised teenagers before. I need some guidance. Maybe I should read a book. Maybe I should ask somebody. 
hey, I've never had two kids under five before. What should I do with that? Other than pull your hair out. Um, I should find somebody that's going to help guide me through this. Hey, I'm new in my faith. I don't really know a lot about the Bible. Somebody guide me through that. That's what wisdom says. Foolishness says, ah, I got this figured out. I remember when uh, we first had children, uh, I didn't, my wife was encouraging me, hey, you should read some books on being a dad and stuff like that. I was like, ah, I've got this. You know, no need for that. She said, no, I really think, you know, our pastor recommended a couple books. You should read those. And, and I was the type of guy, here's the thing. Uh, I read Cliff's Notes in high school. I never read books. For those of you who don't know what Cliff's Notes are, they're very, very short uh, versions of the, the book that you had to buy at Walmart. You actually had to drive to the store, buy Cliff's Notes. They were yellow and black, and they, you did that instead of reading the book. I never read books in high school. You know why? Because books are for losers. That's what I thought. <laughs> I, was, I was dumb. <laughs> Joke's on you. I'm the loser, right? And you know what I found? My wife was encouraging me to get wisdom, but I said, I've got this figured out. You know what I said to her? I, I distinctly remember saying this to her. Hey, my parents did this, and I turned out okay. Right? I distinctly remember what she said next. Your parents might have done that, but you didn't turn out okay. <laughs> Point taken. I needed wisdom. And so you know what I did? I, be, I, I read a book. Uh, the first book that I read I was a book on marriage. Uh, it was read, written by uh, Gary Smalley. And uh, the, uh, I, I think it was Hidden Keys to a Loving, Lasting Marriage, I think is the book. And the first half of the book was written to guys. And guys, here's everything that you're doing wrong. And I got like two chapters through this. Like, I'm reading this stupid book. It doesn't say anything for you to do. Everything's my fault, right? Well, I didn't read the last half of the book, which talks to, to the wives. You know, I should have gotten through it. Uh, but I remember thinking to myself, I don't need to read some dumb book written by some guy that doesn't know me. I've got life figured out. You know what I was? I was a fool. The wise man says, hey, I don't have the answers. I need wisdom. I need direction. You see, true wisdom is evidenced in our walk. It's interesting here, uh, if you take a look, uh, flip back to Ephesians chapter uh, 5, if you would. (laughs) It's interesting as we look through Ephesians chapter 5 here, he continually goes back to the idea of a walk. Uh, Verse number uh, 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools. The idea is that this, in the Christian life, we're always in motion. We're always walking. We're always going somewhere. And it says, when you walk, walk in wisdom. And true evidence of wisdom in our life is how we walk. It's been said before that your walk talks and your talk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. What that means, people are watching what you do more than what you say. My character is evidence in the things that I do, not the things that I say. My quality as a man is evidence in the things that I do, not the things that I say. Talk is cheap. Walk is expensive. When I walk in wisdom, that will show up in the way that I live my life. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Again, I need the knowledge so I know what to do with it. But wisdom isn't simply knowing what to do. It's actually doing it. Over the course of my life, I've probably lost about 400 pounds and probably gained all of it back at some point, right? Always. I've, I'm a big dude. I love to eat. And for, the, for my entire life, I've never been skinny. I think I'm, I went through a period in like maybe sixth or seventh grade where I, I shot up about six inches over the summer and I was skinny for about a, a summer. I've never been skinny since then. And let me just tell you this. I have no desire to be skinny, Okay. I do want to be healthy, that's for sure. How do I get healthy? Well, eat a balanced diet, right? Lots of lean meats and vegetables and greens and uh, things along those lines. Limit refined sugar, uh, you know, things like cookies and cakes and cupcakes and things like that. Exercise two to three times a week. Get your heart rate up. I know these things. Why do I still struggle with living healthy? Because I know what to do. I just don't do it. Oh, you need to lose weight. It's very simple. Eat less, exercise more, right? Very easy. Why do we struggle with it? It's the application part. Hey, you want to be financially stable? I've got a really easy formula for you. Spend less than you earn. That's it. Class adjourned. 
Very simple, right? Why does everybody struggle financially? Why do, why do uh, so many payday loan places exist? Why do I get 12 credit card offers every single week telling me that I've been selected to, win a, uh, to, to get a loan for $35,000? Why? Because it should be simple. Spend less than you earn. How hard is that? It's not the knowledge, it's the application. And just know this. When I need to borrow money from someone to buy something that I want, not that I need, that is not wise. It's foolish. I'm gonna take money for something that I want, not that I need, and I'm gonna take somebody else's money and do it that with and put myself in a bad financial situation because of something that I want. The Bible says that's not wise. Don't do that. What's the problem? It's not the knowledge, it's the application of the knowledge. It's about walking in wisdom, not foolishness. Foolishness is I know what to do, I just wanna do what I wanna do. But wisdom drives that. Wisdom begins with conviction and drives our behavior. It begins with what I truly believe. That will be evidence in the way that you live your life. I think every single person in this room, if I said, do you love God this morning, raise your hand, I believe probably every hand in the room will be raised about. Hey, I love God. What happens Monday through Saturday that proves that statement? You might say, well, uh, well, I'm at church probably most Sundays out of the month. Now, it's an application of the wisdom. I don't need God just on Sunday mornings. I need God Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday night. I need God seven days a week, 24 hours a day. But that's gonna be evidence in the things that I truly believe. Again, what you truly believe will show up in the way that you live your life, not in the words that you say. And you and I, we took a look at this last Sunday night, need to step back sometimes and take a hard look in the mirror to find out if the things that we say is really matching up with the way that we live our lives. Self-examination is a very, very healthy thing for Christians. But you see, wisdom requires knowledge. We already took a look at that. It's not about knowing what to do. It's about applying what we do. Where do we find wisdom? Where can we find God's truth? God's word is the source of all wisdom. Fascinating story I read through uh, 1 and 2 Samuel and 1 and 2 Kings through my daily devotional readings uh, last month. Fascinating reads if you've never read through those. I know I'm throwing out a bunch of stuff you should read in your Bible. Just pick something, it's all good. Uh, but uh, I, I was reading through First and Second uh, uh, Kings and then and First and Second Samuel, and I came across the story of Solomon. And the Bible says that God said to Solomon, Solomon, I'll give you anything in the world that you want, just name it and it's yours. And Solomon asked that he would have a heart to understand the people. He asked for wisdom. And God said, Solomon, because you asked for wisdom, you didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for ladies, you didn't ask for notoriety, I'm gonna give you the wisdom, but I'm also gonna give you all the other things that come with it as well. And Solomon, the Bible says, was the wisest man to ever live before and since. Wisest man to ever walk the earth other than Jesus himself because he was God in the flesh. So Solomon is the wisest man to ever live. And before Solomon died, he had boys. And he wanted to take all of the wisdom that God had put in his head and in his heart and share it with his boys. And so what he did was he wrote his boys a book. And it's called the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's the wisest man to ever live talking to his boys. Boys, here's what you need to know about life. So you want wisdom? It's in God's word. It's it's very easy. Read the book of Proverbs. Again, one proverb a day, the entire book will be read in an entire month. And let me just tell you this, you will choke on the wisdom that's in Proverbs. There's just so much there that you can't even digest it all in one sitting. One verse of Proverbs will keep your head spinning for a couple of days because you think to yourself, how did a guy that lived 3,000 years ago talk exactly about what I'm feeling today? Because that's what the word of God does. The Bible says it's alive. It's a living book. It's not some old book of fables. It's God's word to us today. God's wisdom is found in his word. God's wisdom is free for the asking. 
great promise in the book of James, James chapter one. Uh, keep your finger in Ephesians. We're gonna come back in a second, but turn if you would over to the book of James. I know this might be in your notes, but turn over there in your Bible if you would. I want you to, to make note of this. James chapter one. On Wednesday nights, if you're not one of, part of one of our connect groups, I encourage you to join us. We're going through the book of James verse by verse. And again, there's so much uh, rich information found in the book of James. James is a very practically heavy book. Here's how you live your life now that you're a follower of Jesus. James chapter one, verse number five says this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to men all men liberally and upbraideth or scoldeth. He doesn't, doesn't scold anybody when they ask for wisdom. And it shall be given him. That's what we call a conditional promise of God. If you ask for wisdom... He promises to give it to you. And not just a little bit, he's gonna give it to you liberally. <laughs> Have you ever been to Panda Express before and you see them and you say, oh, I'll take a you know, double order of orange chicken. They start loading it up and they keep loading. And you're like, yeah, keep going, keep going, keep. And they just continue to load it up. It's just like, ooh, yeah. But then I've, I've had somebody before at Panda Express. This happened to me. It only happened once and I almost jumped over the counter at them. Uh, but they scooped it on there and then they looked at it like it was too much and they scooped some off and put it back. And I was just, what are you doing? Stop it. It was, it was good the way it was. Mm. The Bible says that when God gives wisdom, he's the God that like loads it up so much that you can't shut the lid. He gives you wisdom more than you can handle. He gives you so much. He gives liberally to all that ask. God's not stingy with it. And the Bible says he doesn't upbraid or scold us when we ask either. Like, oh my goodness, here's Anthony again asking for wisdom. Good grief, I just gave it to you yesterday. You, you really need it again. My prayer list every single day of the world, every single day. The first person on my prayer list, I know you think it's you or my wife or somebody like that. First person on my prayer list is me. The first prayer request for myself every single day, wisdom. That's it. You know why? Because I can't help my wife and pray for my wife and lead her and encourage her and help her if I'm not walking in wisdom. I'm not gonna be a good father to my boys and my girls if I'm not walking in wisdom. I can't pastor a church if I'm not walking in wisdom. I can't be a good friend if I'm not walking in wisdom. Every single day, prayer request number one, me, wisdom. Because God promises if I ask, he'll give it to me. And I don't wanna be guilty of not asking. You need wisdom today? Ask God for it. Now, mind you, this is not gonna be some automatic implant that happens. I just ask God for wisdom and hey, I'm just automatically smarter. No, no, no. It comes through the application of the word. As I read the word of God, the Holy Spirit works in concert with the, the word of God. Holy Spirit of God, word of God work together and bring wisdom to my heart as I ask for it. It's an awesome promise. You need help? Ask. Next, walking in wisdom requires 360 degree vision. Go back to Ephesians chapter five, if you would. Verse number 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. I love the word circumspectly. It's not a word that we use in our vernacular today, but it's a powerful Bible word. And you know what it means? The word circum means around a circle. The word spec means to look at, where we get our word spectacle from. It means to look all the way around 360 degrees. When you walk, you're to walk circumspectly. When I was in the military, we had the uh, idea of what's called situational awareness. Everywhere you walk, you're automatically in tune with where the nearest exits are, where people are at, or where threats could be. And you're constantly on the lookout. <laughs> if you've ever been with somebody who's uh, uh, an infantry person or uh, been in combat or something like that, they go to a restaurant, they don't like to sit with their back to the door. It just makes them feel really uncomfortable because they're always used to looking at all the exits and every single person that walks in. Uh, we have uh, guys in our church that if you walk around with your hands in your pockets all the time, they get super suspicious of you really quickly. That's why we have the best ushers in the world. They're ready to tackle you at a moment's notice. Isn't that great? You know what it is? It's just walking circumspectly. The Bible says that we're to walk with situational awareness in our day-to-day -day life. I'm supposed to, for my home, protect my family spiritually. I need to be aware of what's going on in my TV. What's going on that my kids are watching? I need to be aware of what my boys have on their cell phone. 
That's why sometimes I'll say, hey, can I borrow your phone for a second? And they never go, what for? What are you going to do? I'll show you. No, they, they hand it over. You know why? Because I'm walking circumspectly. Doctor's 24 years old. I asked him a couple of months ago, hey, can I see your phone? He goes, sure. He unlocked it and he handed it to me. Had nothing to hide. You know what I was doing? I was walking circumspectly. I wanted to protect my son. I wanted to be on the lookout for him. My daughter uh, loves to watch YouTube videos. She Cat videos. Uh, she types in funny cat videos, and she'll sit there for hours watching YouTube videos. Oh, my soul. I don't know how many times you can watch cat videos on the Internet. My, my daughter's finding the threshold, though, I think. But you know what happens from time to time on stupid YouTube? Stuff comes up that the 10-year-old girl shouldn't be watching. And finally, I had to say, hey, stop with the cat videos. No more of that because there's junk on there that you don't need to see. What was I doing? I was walking circumspectly. The other night, our family was out. Uh, we went over to uh, the mall on Thanksgiving. It was awesome. Uh, there, it, it wasn't crazy yet over there. It was just fun. And so we were on the way back to the mall. It was probably, I don't know, 10, 10, 30 at night. And we're walking across the street at 10, 10, 30 at night. And again, uh, the streets over here can get a little bit shady at night. But every single person in my field of vision I was watching, I was taking a look at the guy across the crosswalk over here at me. I was looking at the kid who was coming by on a skateboard. I was looking by the two people that were riding Bicky bikes on the sidewalk. If you ride a Bicky bike on the sidewalk, don't do it, okay? I don't want to have to clothesline you, but I will. Um, I was making sure that they weren't going to run my family off the sidewalk. Why? Because that's my job as protector provider for my family, to walk circumspectly. It's your job to do that for your own life, spiritually speaking. I'm going to be on the lookout for things that could damage me spiritually. I'm going to look for unhealthy relationships that are drawing me away from Christ, not pushing me towards Christ. And I'm going to be aware of that. I see something over here that could possibly inhibit my church attendance. And I'm going to make sure that I limit that and keep that at a, at a distance because I don't want that to inhibit my time with the community, the body of Christ. I see this sin that used to be a problem for me and I feel it creeping back. I'm going to be very, very careful with that and keep that in an arm's length. Why? Because I want to walk circumspectly. The Bible says that's where wisdom comes from, being aware of everything. The foolish man says, oh, it's just a TV show. What's the big deal? The fool says, oh, I hear cussing all the time at work. What's the big deal? The fool says, oh, she's just a coworker, and we were just playing around with the text messages we were sending back and forth. What's the big deal? That's what the fool says. The, the wise man says, oh, no, no. I'm not going to go there because that's going to hurt me. I'm not going there because that's going to be spiritually detrimental to me. Walking circumspectly requires, requires a heightened awareness. I'm talking about spidey sense spiritually, okay? I mean, like everything is on high alert. You say, well, pastor, this sounds pretty intense. Walking in wisdom is intense. Because when you walk in wisdom, you realize that this world is set up to cause you to fail. This world is set up by the devil to cause you to fail spiritually, and to fail the people that you love the most. And you got to walk with a heightened level of awareness, walk circumspectly. Final thought in this passage this morning, and we're done. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. It's weird that, that God connects these two things. But when you look at it, it's really not weird. Walk in wisdom because life is really short. Walk in wisdom because your days are numbered. You see, that means we, you and I have to invest our lives wisely. Here's the thing. You and I could take our last breath at any point this week. No one is guaranteed a tomorrow. So you know what you need to do today? Walk in wisdom. You don't know for sure that you have a promise of next Sunday. Walk in wisdom. You don't know for sure that you'll even be around for Christmas this year. Walk in wisdom. You say, well, pastor, that's pretty morbid. No, that's just life. And whatever you got going on in life, walk in wisdom and invest your life wisely. I want to encourage you to live a life that's worth Jesus dying for. Jesus died to give you and I not only eternal life, but also an abundant life on this earth. Are you living it well? Or are you just kind of doing your own thing? Well, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. That's all I have to worry about, right? No, no, no. You got to live for Jesus every day. It's not just a Sunday thing. And some of you are here this morning, and I love you to death, and this is why I'm going to say what I'm going to say. You're a Sunday morning Christian, and I'm thankful for that. I really am. But I'm asking you today to take a step up and be an everyday Christian. 
And I don't say that with any judgment here. I say it as a friend. You know why? Because I used to be a Sunday morning Christian. <laughs> Truth be told, I was like an every other Sunday morning Christian, right? A couple times a month, I would roll in, do the Christian thing, and go back and do my own thing. You know what I found? There was no joy there. There was no fulfillment there. You know where I found the good stuff in being committed to Jesus every day, being committed to a church family like this, and making it my family? That's where I found true, lasting joy and fulfillment. Living a life of substance requires walking in wisdom daily. I read a book uh, a couple of years ago that made a major impact on my life, and it basically said, um, as part of getting your priorities in order, you should write the eulogies that people in your family would write for you today. So my funeral, here's what my kids are gonna say. My funeral, here's what I want my wife to say. My funeral, here's what I want my dad to say, what, my, what I want my mom to say, what I want my brother to say. And it kind of put everything into perspective. Like, here's the things that are really important. And the idea was this, what you want people to think of, you be that person today. That put a lot of things in order for me. Because I realized there were some things that I thought were priorities that really weren't priorities at all. And I needed God's wisdom to walk every single day to have a life of substance. You know, when I die one day, uh, my kids already know this. I'm not leaving them a big, huge chunk of money because I don't have it. We don't have some waterfront property somewhere that we're gonna give our kids. It'll be their vacation home when they grow up. We don't have it. You know, we got a couple of beat up cars we kids can fight over, I guess, when we're done or whatever. But you know what? I wanna give my kids, I wanna give them a legacy of faith. I wanna know my, man, my dad was a man of God. He walked with integrity and he taught me the things that I need to know about life. I wanna be able to say that. But you know what that requires? It requires me to walk in wisdom this week. It requires me to walk in wisdom today, tomorrow, the day after that. Life is short, so start today. James uh, chapter four also says, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we'll go to such city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Your life is so short, it's like a vapor. It's like, gone. Make it count. I don't know how many days I have left on this earth, but I want every single one of them to count for something. <laughs> I did something totally awesome this week. Thursday, Friday, you know what I did? Absolutely nothing. I took a nap. I sat on the couch. We watched Jeopardy Tournament of Champions is on Netflix. Who knew? Who knew? And I realized I'm a terrible father. My 16-year-old son is confused. He's like, why is everybody answering the questions with questions? I don't get it. It's just like, you don't understand how Jeopardy works. He's like, I'm so confused. Why are they saying, who is Napoleon? He's like, the, it's like the answer. He's like, no, you have to answer with a question. He's like, I'm thoroughly confused. And I thought, I failed you, son. I'm a terrible father. But he knows now. He, he knows all about the daily, daily double. He knows all about final Jeopardy. You know what we did? We watched Jeopardy. We ate a lot of food that we probably shouldn't have ate. We're probably not gonna eat until this time again next year. And I did absolutely nothing. And it was awesome. Oh, it was so awesome. <laughs> and Vanderlei, like halfway through Friday, he was just like, why can't every day be like this? It's just like, because life doesn't work that way, right? But here's the thing. I hope you got a couple of days to chill out this week. I really do. But know this, life starts today. The rest of your life begins right now. Make it count. Make it worth something. Every single day has to count. Final thoughts, how do we walk in wisdom? First and foremost, put your complete trust in God. Everything that you have, I believe in God. I believe that he knows best. If you're taking notes, right out to the side of that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. Next, submit yourself to his ways. Angela and I came to a powerful point in our Christian life. We had been kind of picking and choosing what we do with the whole God thing. Like, I know we should do this, but I don't really want to do that. This is probably uh, what the pastor said, but I don't think he knows our situation. We came to a powerful point in our Christian life where we said this, whatever the Bible says from here on out, we're just going to do it. Even if we don't like it, we're just going to do it. And I'm telling you this, it was like you kicked on the afterburners in our Christian walk. Everything changed when we submitted ourselves to, to God's ways, even when we didn't agree with him. Next, protect the focus of your heart. 
Where my heart is, the Bible says my treasure will be as well. My heart will lead me astray, so I've got to protect it. I've got to keep my heart fixed upon the heart of God. I have to keep my heart fixed upon the word. I've got to protect it. Next, megadose on the word of God. Megadose. Many times we microdose. Oh, I read, a, I read a verse today. I think I'm good. No, no, no. Megadose. The more Bible you get, the better. Hey, here's a crazy idea. How about you do this? Let's get crazy, right? The month of December, delete all the social media apps off of your phone and just put the Bible app on there. Every time you would normally pull out your phone to go to social media, pull it out and go to the Bible instead. Just see what happens. Give it a shot, right? 31 days of your life. It's not the end of the world, right? And if you actually like want to get on social media, you have to actually find a computer, sit down and log on. How about that? That would be crazy, right? You say, Pastor, that's crazy. I'm telling you, get crazy. Megadose on the word of God and see what happens. Next, surround yourself with mature believers. I can't stress this enough. This is not just a gathering to hear preaching. This is a family. This is not just a place that we go on Sunday to sing some Christmas songs. This is family. The people seated next to you are not just fellow church attenders. These are your brothers and sisters. And I need this family and you do too. I need to surround myself with mature believers who are going the same direction I am. Know this, tomorrow morning, wherever you go, wherever you work, chances are you're gonna be surrounded by a lot of unbelievers who don't believe what you believe and are probably going the opposite direction of where you're trying to go. You're trying to be a better husband. You're trying to be a better dad. Other people are trying to get out of those responsibilities and stop being a husband and quit being a dad. I, I, I spend every single day of my life trying to invest in my boys. And I talk with guys sometimes who are trying to figure out how they don't have to pay child support. I don't get it. People that are going the opposite direction will not help you reach your goals as a Christian, ever. Surround yourself with mature believers. That's where wisdom is found. Final thought, make your life count today, not someday. So many times I talk with people who are like, oh, you know, once I finish college, I'm really gonna start serving the Lord. Oh, once I get a, that, that promotion at work, my hours get dialed back, I'm, I'm not gonna have to work as much, I'm gonna start serving the Lord then. No, no, no. You might never get there. Someday might never come. So start today. Hey, don't say, oh, I'm gonna invest in my family one day. I'm gonna read a book on how to invest in my family. No, here, invest in your family today. Read a book, for sure, but start investing today. Don't start living for Jesus one day in the future, start living for Jesus today. You say, oh, I don't know how. Let me teach you. Let another person in our church teach you. We have a discipleship program that teaches you how to be a committed follower of Christ. Every Christian should go through some form of discipleship. Continue being in church. Hear the word, apply the word. Did you know this? We have Sunday morning church. Tonight at five o'clock, totally different message from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Totally different message tonight. Wednesday night, we have connect groups where we'll talk through uh, the book of James together. That's three opportunities you have just this week to hear Bible preaching, Bible teaching, and apply it to your lives. If you did that every single week of the year, that's over 150 opportunities you have to hear the word and apply the word. That's so much wisdom in your life that you will grow exponentially. But here's the problem. You come every other Sunday morning. Guess what? Your, your 150 just went down to about 25. So be committed. Don't be committed one day. Be committed today. Most important thing in the world, if you're here today and you don't know for sure that your sins are forgiven, you do not know for sure that heaven's your home when you die. Jesus is the only way. He's the only hope that you have. Stop being your own God and allow God to be God. Put your faith in him today and you'll find everlasting life. For those of us that are children of God, inside us we have the Holy Spirit of God combined with the word of God to give us more wisdom than we know what to do with. Pray every single day that God will give you the wisdom to apply the knowledge he's given to us.